Going one, going twice, sold. You're listening to The Property Pod. All right, everyone. Here we are back at the Property Pod for our second week in a row of filming without Aaron at the mics. And I'm joined, like always, with John McGregor. Like your resident stalwart. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, John, you've already seen me a couple of times. I suck at working these buttons. So please come back as soon as possible, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose we could switch it up, mate, and I can try it next time. (laughs) I would love for you to try these buttons because I'm like a sinking fish over here. (laughs) I'm like, save me. Yeah, well, but we've got we got this, we got this. Mm. We do indeed, and this week we've been sort of racking our brains, thinking what can we talk about, which is weird for real estate agents because normally we don't shut up, isn't no, no, that right? No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, what caught my attention this week, John, that I thought that be worthwhile sort of talking about is how hard it is to buy a property in the marketplace at the moment. Like mm, a lot mm. of people have been struggling. A lot of people have been really finding it difficult to secure that next property. Yeah. And probably just having a look at some of the experiences that you and me have, have had over the years and recently as well in trying to buy a property. Well, like it is fascinating because when you're on the um, other side all of a sudden, you think you're trying to be professional all the time, you experience all the emotions that you're sitting there trying to coach another person through. And instantly if you've if it's your property, it's worth more than, you know, than it is. If you're trying to purchase, it's, you know, hard to um, get your wrap, wrap your mind around having to pay for this because like, oh, but I remember when I could buy it for that. Mm. Um, and even, you know, because I suppose been trying to help my partner buy a property as well, like um, I'm going through all those motions for, for us. And then when you secure one, it's like, oh, my God, did I make the right decision to pay too much? And then all of a sudden all those things. Yeah, oh, but I could have got that. Oh, that's a better opportunity now. Like, ah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's yeah. even even though it's our job, they're actually talking about the fact that we go through those same experiences, I think it's just interesting. Well, it's funny you say that because, um, yeah, Abby and I have been looking for a while now for a block of land and it's almost working in the industry is detrimental. to. Yeah. Act. You would think that working in the industry helps – you'd be able to find that property and buy that property. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's actually been the opposite experience because now I'm second-guessing every decision I'm making when it comes to buying property. Like, oh, geez, I know what this property's worth. I've checked the data online. I shouldn't pay any more than X or Y. And mm. it's a really difficult thing to to navigate when you're on the other side of the coin. Because you, you're fighting to your, like you said, with your knowledge, you, you are becoming your own worst enemy. Like you could push that a little bit more, but you don't and you almost become stubborn. Is that what's happening? It's very much so. It's mm. I'm definitely becoming stubborn because I, I know that properties are going to sell for way more than I'm prepared to offer for them and that's probably the reason why I haven't been successful in winning one. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it is, I think, because like you described, because we w- live and breed this seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year, mm. I'm still stuck thinking about a couple of years ago when I could have bought a property for X and now having mm. to pay Y. And I'm looking at it thinking, well, yes, I know the market shifted and that's what the new price is, but it's still hard to comprehend. Well, the other challenging part is if you say, oh, look, oh, because you're in it, you can get a good deal. And you can if you've got no ethics because the – the, the challenge if when it comes to us buying a house too is that um, by all accounts, yes, we might have early access to to thing. We could probably sit there and explain and encourage your owner to accept our, our offer. But the problem is if we don't do it above board, well then um, 
we get the, we've got the capacity to um, rip the client off and eventually completely lose our license as a result of doing the wrong thing. So, yeah. you know, even the idea of being get, getting the inside track often doesn't actually work in our favour because, unfortunately, we can't take advantage of it. No, that's exactly right. I find mm. myself hoping that the dream property that I want to buy is listed by another competing agent so that it doesn't end up on the stock in our office here yeah, because yeah. if it ends up here, I'm probably paying 10% more than what anyone else will pay for the property because I want to be able to ensure that you can't I distance get, myself. Absolutely. And then all the, all the disclosures that come with it. And that was sort of one thing with, um, you know, well, I've been wrapping my mind over the last couple of days is uh, I'd always had it in mind that there was something lined up for us that I think would have been perfect for my partner. And at the same problem too is that it's, it'll end up, I know it'll probably end up outside the realm of what she can afford if it goes to market for sale. Mm. So in all, in all respects, the owner would probably be comfortable with what she'd be able to pay. But then, I, I, I you know, and as a professional, I know that, They'll, able, they'll, they'll lose out on a lot of potential income. Yeah. So you can't, you know, mm. make that work. And then so then we're securing something that's like, oh, it's not what I wanted for her. But the problem is I have to because um, we can't get what we wanted because it came through our agency. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's such a and, – And look, you guys were making an offer the other night on a property with a competing agent and asked my opinion on it. And mm. it, it started making me think as well like having someone in your corner like you like to speak about all the time and getting – external advice on should we do this should we not do it it even applies to us here on our day-to-day when we're buying personally yeah just uh you came to me and you're like you know pat they want x um but you know we're only prepared to pay ten thousand dollars less than that Mm -hmm. and it was only through conversations between each other that we both came to the realization that you're going to have to pay what the owner wants to have any chance of securing it and and i needed your it was handy to have your reassurance because like I was articulating, oh, this is a good location, good spot, like that complex. You know, it, it does make sense. It, it, but it's like I still needed your – it's like, mate, is this – we're thinking right. Am I like trying to justify something that's probably not correct? Yeah. Um, and, and look, the way we ended up justifying it was quite an interesting one and it just refers back to how the market is continuing to grow at the moment. So mm-hmm. we've had our, our good mate Simon Presley who's reached out to us recently and said that Hobart's got another 20% plus growth this year mm. and a combined 40% growth over the next two years. So, look, that just sounds so ridiculous. But the way the market's going, it probably will happen. So, if you're a buyer out there and, you know, you've got yourself to a position where you're one of two buyers that are about to win a property and you're being stubborn like I have been over the last six months in buying a place mm. and you're not prepared to pay that extra 10, 20, 30,000, whatever it may be maybe the right decision is just to pull the trigger and pay that extra bit because in two years' time, you might be kicking yourself that you didn't do it. Well, in our case, it was, you know, an additional five. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, over the next 30 years, is it really going to matter? Mm. Um, probably not. And the other part we looked at that's um, sort of still giving a little bit of reassurance, even though I'm still nervous about it, um, is, look, was it at the median asking price around about where units are selling for? And yes, it is. And that's sort of another thing too, I suppose, because it's going to be, it was purchased as an investment just to, um, you know, get a name attached to a property again. Um, At least then if the unit's bought at the roundabout where all the units are selling either, you know, usually at, at median price or below, if anything happens, you're always going to be okay because you can, you know, get in and out of the market quickly. Mm. Um, whereas the, I think a lot of the problems have occurred where people have got really stuck though is that when they've purchased a home, um, so let's say the median in area is five hundred thousand, they've bought this, you know, the five hundred and eighty thousand for the exact same property where they're so far apart, 
And then if something does happen, they get stuck because they really can't move that asset off quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a reality that, you know, I've seen it. We had to sell it. The biggest loss a client I had to help through was they'd lost $60,000. $60, um, that was from, a, you know, property in Old Beach. So it, it does happen, you know. There's mm. no um, – and, you know, that's why that risk assessment is you do what you can. But, um, you know, we were in a, in a situation it was it had to be an emotional purchase. Like mm. we were like, okay – Fair enough. We'll just we'll pay what they have to pay. Yeah. Look, and I think you're right. You made the right call this week, helping mm. secure that property. I think it's position, it's location, it's a low maintenance property. It's going to be a good investment property for years to come. Hopefully, and that's sort of and that's sort of ultimately, if you look back to the fundamentals, um, yeah, it's in uh, it's in yeah right location, easy access in a sorry, it can fit <laughs> multiple different tenants, and and we know like that complex is always. Um, tenanted like 100% no drama, you know. Um, but all that said, you know, you take all the – it's the thing, you, you, it's a still an emotional move first and then you try and justify it later. Mm. And I guess um, because for me as well where uh, if it was only just involved as an investment, you're doing numbers and numbers alone. And so if you were to say the the numbers on that property, would you have paid that much as a, like an as investment purchase purely? Probably not. Um, however, as the means that, you know, is something that you wanted to move yourself back into the market. So like, okay, we're going to have to adjust um, the numbers and the expectations in order to, mm. to secure the property. And that's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it sucks. <laughs> I think it's really hard at the moment as well if you're an investor to buy a property and base it only on numbers with no emotional attachment to it yeah. because the market, it is moving fast and it's it's hard to go in and say, well, the rent is, like the rental return on this is X so therefore I shouldn't pay any more than this right. price. Because realistically, that's probably not going to get the deal done these days. No. So I think for a lot of investors at the moment that are choosing to buy, they've got to be looking at it from a more long-term perspective and mm. a capital growth perspective as well, where yeah. in the past most investors would probably only buy a property based on rental yields um, and look at it from that return. So yes. I don't know if that's what you believe, John, but that's sort of the shift I've probably seen in recent times. It has you 100%. And mm. I guess that's sort of um, – most seen in the change in the return on those areas like Bridgewater and Hertzman's Cove, you know, our lowest, lowest socioeconomic areas, oh. where they were they never ever never experienced growth ever, but the re, the re yield on them was massive. And I tell you what, those mm. people that had cashed in on that yield sort of you know six years ago when they were picking up a property in Bridgewater for one hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy thousand, oh yeah, they are living life now because they're now turning those properties back over with very minimal work during that time. Mm. But you know, early fours, oh yeah, yeah, four hundred, yeah. four twenty. We've sold one. Recently Recently for four fifty in the area. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just saw, I just saw one pop up for over five hundred now. Obviously, one of the bigger bigger ones. But um, the idea that yeah, that that area would start to stretch over half a million is just you know <laughs> incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely shifted that suburb has. That's for sure. And look, that lots of suburbs go through that transformation. That was Rokeby a few years back. Mm -hmm. It was probably a little bit earlier than what um, Bridgewater was. You now got to look to suburbs like Gagebrook and Clarendon Vale. To, mm. to start looking for those cheaper options. But their time will come and they will improve in their value too. Yeah, absolutely. And that I was only um, chatting with a client who's looking to purchase her in second investment property actually through us. And um, where she was asking like, well, what is it possible? Look, every, anything's possible for through gentrification, which is that thing where um, – and Bridgewater, I think, um, did, did it very well with the assistance of those Centre Care Evolve projects where even, the, you know, housing has uh, changed the way in which they want to develop um, projects. Because wasn't it that it's 70% ownership in those um, developments? Is, it right? Is that right, mate? Um, 
I think it's seventy percent rent at thirty percent ownership. Yeah, I think. Um, but I think they what their goal is as a whole is to get the overall ownership of all of Bridgewater to fifty fifty. So fifty percent owned, fifty percent rented. Where gotcha. it's traditionally been seventy to eighty percent rented, twenty percent owned. Yeah. So yeah. that's why they are selling off a lot. Oh, a heap of their properties mm. to help try shift that back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But for those guys and the change of Bridgewater, it goes far beyond just the buildings that are happening out there. It's the community projects that companies like Seneca are involved as well. Like a lot of people wouldn't realise it, but they, you know, they've been involved in helping some of these like new playgrounds and parks get off the ground and help fund it, you know, just footpaths and bus shelters and things like that that – They've put in money into the community to improve the area, just to help that overall shift in the suburb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, and that's and that's and that's a, again um, a really good indicator of where it will move to. And even I find that those that are not like a new Tasmanians specifically, um, they don't have that same uh, negative you know, uh, identification with that suburb, like a lot of those of us that are bit you know born and bred here have. Mm. Um, and it's um, obviously there's still little small pockets, but if just with that positive um, sense of ownership into that suburb breeds positive, you know, sense of ownership in that suburb across across the board. So mm. um, if you can position yourself in those areas with a long term view, well, then obviously you'll probably it'll perform you know exceptionally well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I, I'm I'm just uh, I suppose I'm curious, mate. Like. Thinking back to your your first home, because you guys, did you do a build or did you do a purchase? I can't remember. Um, my first my first dip in the property industry was actually jumping in the deep end and building a unit complex actually. So oh, right. I had a piece of land in Rosetta and developed that into two units with mm. the idea of selling one and that would help offset the money to be able to me own a part of the other one. Yeah, gotcha. And at the time... You know, I was new into real estate. So I didn't really know what I was doing, but I had some great people around me that helped me through the building process. And mm. I did it as what you call an owner-builder, which is not really done anymore. Mm. So normally most people have to go through a building company. Uh, where I did it, I bought the land. I just contracted out the plumber, the electrician, the chippy to do all their bits and pieces to actually build the entire property. Sure, sure. But I was technically the builder. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, because they've made that a lot tighter and a bit harder these days as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, you mm. now do have to have a building license, I believe, to be able to do what I did. Um, mm. So, it still all had to go through sign offs and everything like normal. But mm. I guess I was more like a, like a contract manager, like I was site manager, just yeah, making yeah. sure the right person was had the right tools at the right time. So, mm. making sure we ordered the right amount of material in for the chippy to frame up the property and things like that sort of was the job that I was left to do on a weekly basis. Do you think you'd do it again? Um, yeah. I'd, it's busy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of extra work involved and you can definitely see why the building companies save some like charge you what they charge because yeah, yeah, yeah. there is more to it than just the actual trades on site building the physical property. Just following a plan, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there is a lot to it but no, I'd go again mm. and it definitely helped set me up to be able to then buy my current property that I live in now so that's that was a bonus out of it all. Yeah, and I guess then if you, ex- ex- you know, extend that to what, you know, the ability to just save a little bit of extra money to get more value out of, um, mm. you know, your investments, you know, even your first home, it's um, that reminder that you don't need to have um, everything from day one. Obviously yours is an exceptional example because you started building, but yep. um, in this instance where, you know, 
you're looking for your first home and you want what you what you're living in with your parents who have had their second and third move. You know, it's like yeah. that's all right. Just start small. You know, <laughs> let yourself take. You know, be, play the game of patience. Yeah, and look, you did that very well with the, your very first investment oh, into yeah, the market. Yeah, well, so that, I, that, I remember your little unit out there at Claremont. Yeah, in a, a block block of four. Um, just uh, it was a good little spot actually. But that was yeah, just a simple two bedroom unit. Um, I think you only invited me ever once there. But anyway, yeah. we'll move past that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was only because I was picking up Simon. Well, <laughs> so. well, it, it, admittedly, the door was always unlocked, mate. So you could have <laughs> just rocked up, and I would have been fine. <laughs> there was never any food in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a true uni house. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, but the, but the, other, the other thing too is that I get this call from, you know, somebody like, oh, John, uh, all the uh, – oh, phone's ringing. Um, be like, oh, John, all the oh, – your beer's gone. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, we, we, I, it was like I had a cut in the yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's all gone. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to need to get some more. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the risk of the open door policy, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. Like it was a great, great little entry unit and that was obviously encouraged by uh, I think mum and dad at the time that was through our business. Yeah. Um, and now you've moved – oh, sorry. And now you've moved into buying another property. You're renovating it from mm, memory and yeah. looking to build a unit potentially in the backyard, at, at so the future back. development. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of then a similar situation where you started. So, yep. um, But, you know, I certainly couldn't have done that to that extent without first making, a, you know, a, a move many years ago. So, um, you know, it's nice I think that – it's again, you know, when when would you get in and when do you get out? Is it well? Mm. Normally, it's that you know when you want to get in, and when you want to get out. Mm. I think normally though is that the I, I did like this line is that it's it's time spent in the market, so time in the market, not timing the market where um, most you know fortunes are made. And I think we it's that um, that worry constantly is like, am I buying at the wrong time? I'm going to be buying at the wrong time. I'm going to be buying at the wrong time. Well, now you know if people spend 40, 50 years within you know in um, you know within a in a property market. And I guess provided you're looking at all those little, little some you know fundamentals, you're not trying to be too smart by buying out in a mining town, thinking you can get in a <laughs> massive bank really quickly. You'll be okay. Yep. Um, and you know you can just and that was sort of I suppose you know going back to the property that we've just bought. Is it all right? Um, it was nervous getting it, but you know what? All the fundamentals are still there, so we'll be okay. Um, and there won't be real any. Um, it's a very very small risk of that ever biting us in the butt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you can remember that it's, you know, you are looking for your first time, you're trying to get in, just don't, don't try and be too smart about it. I so, guess. so that's our key takeaway. Like we're almost 20%, 20 minutes into this podcast, John, and I've been sitting here thinking, what are we actually what, what are we talking actually? about? Yeah, yeah, so, so basically what you're saying is the key takeaway is to, you know, get into the market where you can and know that, you know, all will be good potentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst I've advice ever. Lot. That's the worst advice ever. Yeah, <laughs> um, I really need to work on my yeah, yeah. bitch. But, I guess the thing is, that's the point of this conversation. This was like just speaking real, like not not pretending like we're so smart. You know, like it's just because it happens. You know, it's like all, all, all the things that you know can sometimes get thrown out the window. Um, but it's just like you know, you'll be okay if if mm. you don't if you don't go too far. You know, stick within. You know, um, you know, if you're sticking around the median in a suburb and it's got all the fundamentals, you'll be okay. Um, but it's beautiful. But I suppose in the end, if you're trying to be too smart about it, that's when you can sometimes get stung. Yeah. Anyway, and and look. We may not know that we may not sound like we know what we're talking about today. I think we're yeah. a little bit off, but we're only a phone call away. My phone will not stop calling. Mm. Sorry about that, everyone. We're only a phone call away and in a non-microphone situation, we're normally a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So always happy to sit down and sort of help people understand a certain suburb or even if it's a property listed with another agent that you've got your eye on, mm. but you don't know the best way to attack it. Mm. Like 
John and I, we're happy to give you half an hour, hour of our time just to, to go through a contract, help you strengthen it where you can to improve the look of it. So, because you're going to be in a multiple offer situation. So, it's all about just knowing the little one percenters that you can do to a contract as well, just to make it look better so you have a better chance of winning it because it's not always price that ends up getting the the deal done no absolutely not absolutely not and you know that was i suppose in some respects the from when i've got the professional hat on like all of a sudden the advice completely changes much more succinct and it makes a lot more sense and then it's just a reminder sometimes too is just like hey we i get it like it's it's not easy. Like it is really mm. emotional when we go through those same same experiences as well. And I guess that was sort of part of the fun of just having a chin wag about this specific <laughs> situation. You know? Yeah, I think mm. what I think what we wanted to let everyone know is that you know we struggle with buying houses just as much as you guys do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. never know the right move to make. Um, and I think the only way you'll ever know the right move to make is to have conversations with people mm. and seek advice and just get. Second opinions from people because, mm. like, as much as like we are here to help you buy a house, if the listing's with us, you ha- we also are working for the vendor. So yeah, it can never hurt to go ask somebody else for a, a second opinion or some one percenters advice where you need it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well. I think we scraped together an episode maybe in there. If you've got this far, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure the rest of you guys are all thinking like, I hope Aaron's back next week. I'm sorry to report that. With, with, with some actual topics to discuss. <laughs> I'm sorry to report. I think he is still a couple more weeks yeah. away. But, hey, we'll be excited to get him back when he is in the, in the studio in the office again. Yeah, exactly. Cool. That but was fun. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And look forward to next week's watching John work these buttons and hopefully <laughs> we can get a show that's a little bit more succinct. I'm going to just get one of those little, like, uh, thing, you know, those birds that tap on the, on the desk? <laughs> That'll work. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's all good. All right. See you guys. Thanks for listening. See you, mate. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.